Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. My name is Jesse Vondracek, coach at Top Step Training, and I'm here with Marilyn. Hey, Jesse. Everybody, how's it going? Marilyn Chakota. You can find everything with me at mcc.coach. Happy to be here today. Um, I also have my dog Samson with me today, but he is not on camera, but he is right at my feet. So he says hi to everyone as well. I think I saw a, a post you did of him like having a party in a park or something. He has a run around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of prime dog weather right now. It's like highs in the 70s. So he's um, he's in heaven right now. He's really loving it. Nice. Um, but there's been some racing. So uh, the what's going on section. Uh, I heard you did a race recently. Yeah, we've we've both been racing, right? And uh, yet, I did two. I've done two races. I didn't race at all. All well, no, I did the St. George one, seventy point three in May, and then I didn't do anything all summer. And then I decided to race a whole bunch this fall. <laughs> um, so yeah, last time we chatted, did Wilcox. We talked about that, and then two weeks later, here I did a race, a gravel race here in northern Arizona called the Chino Grinder, and I did the sixty miler. And, um, yeah, it's up in Prescott Valley. So pretty tough course it's, uh, at elevation and that course is, you know, it's not super technical, but it's just hard. It's, it's either sand or washboard or big rock, or you're climbing or it's windy. Like you really never get a break. And so it's, it's tough just because it's like one of those really hard races. It's not ever, it's not ever just like fast or where you're like, Oh, I can have a break now. You just, it's just like hard work. So I've done it one year. I did the the long one the 115 when it was 115. Now it's 120. And then the, I've done two years ago, I did the 60. And then, so yeah, now two years later, I did the 60 again, which was, which was cool. It was a big field. There was uh, over 150. I think they said there was almost, it was over 150 starters in the, in the sixties. So, and it's a mass start men and women, everybody together. So big field. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so how to give me the play by play. Oh my God. So yeah, I, I wanted two years ago. And so of course everyone's like, are you going to go defend your title? And you never really know, right. You do your training, uh, and then you show up at a race and race and, yeah, yeah, I did manage to to take the overall women's win, so I was pretty pretty happy with that. It wasn't easy though. It wasn't it wasn't like a walk away. I'll tell you that much. Like I started, you start with the pack, and because it's men and women together, I stayed with the pack as long as it made sense. And um, but and this time I stayed with the pack a little longer than the time before. But there's sort of a decision there to be made when you're with, you know, men and women as a strong group of road cyclists. It's going to split at some point and you have to decide that early on if it's worth digging in and staying a little longer because the group is fast or if you're going too hard too early in the race and it makes sense to drop off. So that happened for me about I think I was like about 40 minutes in. I was like, this doesn't make sense anymore. I'm going pretty hard and I know how tough the back half of that course is and the other women had already dropped off so I fell back to where they were and I thought well I'll just race with them and they uh you know the two women that look that were looking to be the three of us racing one another we were the the main competition with the three of us I thought if I can stay with them and I learned later they're both mountain bikers and race gravel a lot and they had good mountain bike skills and so there's one windy kind of windy loose rock descent. And my strategy was, I could tell that they had better dirt skills than me. I have like zero dirt skills. My strategy was to get into the front of that descent ahead of them, because then they might not be able to get around me on it. And then I'll be able to stay with them. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're in the front or leading, instead of me trying to follow what they can do, I'm in front and they've just, they're kind of stuck behind me. But when mm -hmm. it ended up happening, so that was all going find a plan. As I came into the descent, uh, uh, one of the age group, one of the male athletes came around and they followed and he led them through the descent really fast and they could follow. And I got dropped and I was like, damn it. And, um, and then I watched the three of them just pull away from me and pick up a couple other riders. And they were in a small group all working together pretty fast. And I thought, oh man, you know, they're going to they're going to ride away from me. And it was interesting, the things I went through mentally, because I had sort of like settled up with third. 
I knew they were good athletes and I knew they were strong and I knew they were working with other people. And I knew this, I actually knew one of the riders that they were working with and I know that they're quite strong. And, and I thought, well, if they're all together and working hard, I'm not going to catch them alone on this course. So I had settled up with third and I was riding hard still, but not, there's a couple of times I was daydreaming. I thought, well, you know, third is third. I'm just now I'm out here and I'll just work as hard as I can. But something happened. I got to the turnaround and I made a promise to myself. I said, from this turnaround home, I'm going to go as hard as I can all the way to the finish. And I'm just going to go as hard as I can and see what happens. And funny enough, like I didn't even get water at the aid station, not because I didn't want water, but there it would have meant going slightly off course, getting off my bike, filling my water bottles. And I thought, nah, I'll just I'm kind of a camel and I knew I'd get away with it. Not a mistake I would recommend, but um, I knew personally myself, I can get away with those kinds of mistakes. So I just put my head down and just started riding as hard as I could. And, it, and I rode, I rode like hard all the way to the finish. And I got going at a pretty good clip. And I went from where I was to first female and 15th overall by the time I got to finish. And I think the separation between me and the third, I don't know if second or third is like 22 minutes. So I really got, yeah, I really got a second wind. So it was like an interesting lesson. I went from like, you know, I'm racing these gals to they've dropped me to I'm settled with third to just a plain old promise to myself to, you know, a really, really great back half of the race. So I think that's like kind of an important lesson to remember when you're racing that it's not over till it's over. And if you just keep going, you know, racing your race, sometimes you don't really know what the the end result will be. So, so that was kind of cool, actually. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's, that's hard to do, I think, to come back mentally in the middle of a race. So uh, good on you for being able to do that. Um, Thanks. This is super off, to off topic, but just to, out of curiosity, did you have power on that bike? I didn't. I didn't have anything. Okay. Nothing. I okay. just had the time. And um, yeah, kind of, it would have been interesting to have power and, and know what the difference was. But I definitely, you know, a lot of people cramp on the back half of that course. And I maybe because I know it well, maybe because I ride a lot, um, maybe because I'm kind of a strong athlete, I was able to to handle the back half of that course really well. Uh, you know, it was just, it was just one of those things that, and I was actually, I was actually 21 minutes faster than I was two years ago. So oh, that wow. was interesting as well. And the two years ago I had done it before I did it with someone and, and they were like working with me. So I was really interesting as well. I would have been, yeah, it would have been good to know what my power was for that. <laughs> but I do know at one point, a guy was on my wheel for a bit. He had hopped on. He was like, man, you got a second win. And he jumped on my wheel and he started giving me a little bit of grief about when I was passing people, I went into the rough sections instead of just yelling out to get around people. Cause I thought, well, I don't want to frighten them. I'll just go in the rough stuff and then go around them. And he said, you should yell out. You're coming up behind them and take the smooth ride. And I thought, well, <laughs> Seems how you're getting a free fast ride, perhaps, and you can talk. Maybe you should yell out. And then he came up beside me. I just looked at him. And I said, "I'm working pretty hard up here, not and can't really talk. So this is the choice I'm making." And he went, "Oh," <laughs> and then he was gone like three minutes later. So, <laughs> so yeah, I was definitely not in able to talk kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I don't I also don't take kindly to advice for people on my wheel. That's uh, yeah. I was like, you can get a lesson, help, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in front, you can you can dictate what is going on. But if you're on my wheel, then that is uh, yeah, you are not allowed to complain about anything. Exactly. Um, and you did a race too. You did a badass race and got uh, a PR in half Ironman, right? And um, that's pretty pretty badass. Tell us about that. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, I I went to Belgium and did a kind of flatter, faster half Ironman, and it was uh, it was super fun. We had like fifty five guys in the in the pro male field, which is pretty big for a kind of a random half Ironman. And we had an ocean swim, and I will give the disclaimer that we we kind of broke the surf and then we got to swim with the current and then come back in. It was a point to point swim. So the swim was definitely aided. And I think that 
uh, that definitely helped me having a PR, but I feel like there's a PR is a PR, so I will take it. Um, but the swim was, was also pretty wavy and I actually just really enjoy like a hard wavy swim. So, so that was really fun. The, the part I didn't enjoy, and I feel like I did a whole speech on this the last time I raced in Belgium, but I'm going to do the same thing again is we had like a 200 meter run into the beach and, and like we started going and, you know, 50 meters in, I'm like DFL by like 10 meters. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I think I was also the oldest guy there by like eight years. And there was like one, like 35 year old and everybody else is like 22. Um, you need to work on your 15 meter sprint for the swim. Story. I mean, I, I, apparently because it's like a huge gap, like my like 515 pace versus their 415 pace is, uh, yeah, I'm just like no contest. And, uh, and then I had to kind of swim my way back up through the field, which, which I was able to do a bit, but I was like, man, this, this 200 meter sprint is really putting me on my back feet. So yeah, may, that that could be part of my off season project here is just getting getting my sprint up because it was a real a real issue like losing contact before that swim even starts. Uh, nice job getting back but, in. Oh, yeah, thank you. I mean, I do. I really love an ocean swim. It's it's uh it makes it. I mean, I I get so bored swimming that once you throw something like that in there, it's so much more exciting for me. And like you can't see the buoys, you're getting tossed around, and and so that was that was super fun. Uh, and then we got to transition and this must've been a half mile run to transition. So I think that that might've even made up for the short swim. It was, it was super long. Um, but then, yeah, I got out on the bike course and, and I felt, I actually felt like pretty good. It was, it was two weeks after the last race I had done that we talked about last time. And, and I feel like I didn't do a ton between the two. I just did like some intensity to stay sharp. And I feel like I came around was actually feeling a lot better on the bike than I was two weeks before. Uh, so it's kind of a good, good lesson, I guess, for myself to, to remind me that I can kind of do that. Maybe hold on to fitness, come around and go decently well. But I felt, I felt pretty strong, pretty in control on the bike. Uh, as I kind of mentioned before the podcast had, had some, some rear brake issues, which made me definitely look like an American on the bike course. Uh, kind of doing doing a little bit of uh, of yo-yoing there but um yeah we had a had a good little group and we had we actually had a, a motorcycle with us the whole time which was really cool to to kind of see and and the the motorcycle was was giving out penalties and was like riding up and down the group the whole time patrolling and and there was from what i heard there was like a moto with every group that was more than like two or three through the whole like pro men's and women's field That's so they great. seemed pretty yeah, they seemed pretty serious about it and and they weren't like, you know, the happy officials just there to let you do whatever. They they were kind of like pretty serious and and eyeballing us the whole time, which was cool. Yeah. Um but yeah, I felt good on the bike and like unfortunately wasn't able to like move up any positions, but I was able to ride pretty hard with the group and I had my my highest normalized power for 70.3. So so mm-hmm. Yeah, so we rode pretty fast and it was pretty hard and I feel like that kind of hurt me on the run. I feel like I was in like decent run shape and got onto the run and was like, okay, I've got like one gear and this is it. And I can't really go any faster. I don't think I'm going to slow down much, but definitely don't have that kind of punch that I wanted to go a little bit faster, but I was able to just run steady and, um, and yeah, go under four hours and I, you know, PR by like five seconds, but I'll, I'll still take it. A PR is PR. Um, Breaking the so four hours pretty pretty handy too. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad, you know. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, all in all, it was like, well, I was like twenty seventh, which isn't much to write home about. But I again, I will say one thing about these European races is they seem to have like a large group of you know twenty two to twenty six year olds that aren't really on the radar yet, so they're showing up for like their first or second pro race, and you know maybe don't have a lot of points on the PTO or whatever, but are legit and especially know how to like ride a bike pretty hard. Um, oh yeah. I'll yeah, test that. 
they have such good development programs over there where a lot of these athletes have been racing since they were kids, you know, whether they're racing bikes or they're racing track and field and cross country running races, triathlon, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so by the time they get to where they are now, they've been racing pretty much their whole lives and they're, um, they're fast when they, when they come out, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, super friendly, but also very fast. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of heading into off season now and still kind of formulating my season for next year. So in the process of kind of working backwards and seeing what makes sense to focus on now, I don't really feel like I need a ton of time off just because of the way my year kind of was structured. I, I kind of took a pretty big break last year as we moved here. And so I, I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely taking like two weeks pretty, pretty chill right now, but uh, I think I'm going to definitely get the ball rolling a little bit sooner than maybe I normally would. And, and yeah, kind of look at some of those weaknesses, like whether it is the uh, 200 meter sprint or, uh, you know, a few other things I, I can work on to get myself in a better position going into next season. Uh, because yeah, I have some, hopefully some pretty big goals I can try and tick off next year while we're still here. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you said some really important things there. You know, we wanted to talk today about like good decisions for your off season as people are starting to get into the back half of the year. And and we know that there's people still racing some late season races and we'll get into that on our next episode. But for now, some people are making those decisions about, hey, it's the, you know, the back half of the year, the fall, some of their big races are wrapped up and, and you start looking at like, what am I going to do next year? And what's the most important decisions I can make right now? So hopefully today we can help people navigate through this, we call it kind of the fourth quarter of the year and, you know, prevent them some of the pitfalls and mistakes that we've seen as coaches over so many years that, that people make. And, and one of them is that, you know, that soon as you finish your season, you're one of two athletes, you're, you're where you are right now, where you're pretty, pretty motivated and feel really great and ready to tackle stuff. And then there's the ones that are completely exhausted and they want to pull the ripcord on everything. And so there's, there's pitfalls on both of those. And, you know, hopefully today we can provide some insight on how to navigate that and make the best decisions for yourself and say like, okay, well, yeah, we want to start looking at races for next year and we want to start planning for next year. And one of those planning pieces is you said something really important there, Jesse, is the off season is about well, one, how much rest is appropriate for different types of athletes right after their season. And we can touch on that. And then the next is that off season is so important for working on your weaknesses. Like you just said, you know, like whether that's your, your sprint or for the, for the, you know, for the swim or, but it gives, it's an opportunity. What it is, is an opportunity where you have no racing and you're not trying to do a race block and get yourself in focused race shape for an event. And that is like the most critical time for athletes to make that progress in their whole development from when they started to where they're going and from year to year. So if you're even thinking about like, Hey, I want, you know, I want to race next year. I want to be better. I want to continue to get better. This is like a really, really important period of time to, to understand how to, how to navigate. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really, people can see the advantage of being like, Hey, like I need to train right now to get ready for this race. But if you're only ever training to get ready for a race, then you're not getting better. You're just getting ready for that race. So you're kind of honing the fitness you already have. If you do that a few times a year, then you, maybe you're like kind of maintaining year after year, but you're not doing anything to actually take those steps forward. So, you know, you again, you're like getting in race shape and that race shape is going to be the same year after year after year. If you're not doing anything for that kind of long-term athletic development and the only way you can do that is when you don't have races. I mean, maybe you can have some races that you are don't care about, but, but still like, I, I think that the best time to do that is when there are no races on the calendar and you can, you know, you can potentially like pull back in two of the three sports and lean into one or whatever you need to do in order to focus on something, because it's, it's just, it's hard to make gains again, while you're trying to be sharp in all three. So you have to kind of let some things go in order to actually make those leaps forward. So the only time you can do that is when you're not racing. And, and yeah, I think people kind of envision 
this whole time of year as the off season. And I think it's, it's really important to kind of break that up in your mind. And there's like the off season where maybe you're taking a break from training. Maybe it's like for mental or physical or both reasons, but you know, and like you said, that's going to be X amount of time kind of based on what you need, where you're at in your development as an athlete, where you're at in kind of your like racing cycle and how your season looks right now, you know, that off season is going to be various lengths of time, but then, you know, maybe that's two weeks to four weeks uh, to kind of give a, an in general range. And, you know, there's obviously reasons you can go outside that range, but, um, but, you know, maybe in general, you're talking like two to four weeks kind of off season. So at most you're looking at a month. And after that, you're kind of rolling into what I like to think about as the preseason where you're getting ready to get ready to race. And that's when you have real opportunity to get better. Um, but I, I, I want to kind of, go back to one thing you said a second ago before we move forward with that, because I know I think it's good to kind of get the negative stuff out of the way so that we can kind of end it with a positive. So that's what we kind of leave in people's ears. Right. So let's kind of talk about kind of the, the ways that you can treat this time inappropriately. And I think, you know, you gave two really good cases like the over-motivated athlete and then the extremely under-motivated athlete. And I think, like you said, both of those athletes can, can kind of get it wrong and um, not set themselves up to improve or for a good season next year. Yeah, I, I often see it's like new athletes who don't understand the big picture process that make the most mistakes. Like anything, when you're new to something, you have the least amount of information, the least amount of experience. And so you're most susceptible to the most amount of mistakes. And you're, you know, I've worked with athletes from, you know, eight years, 10 years, 12 years, 16 years. I have a good roster of people that really understand the long-term development and the value of working year round on continuous progress and from year to year to year, and they continue to get better. And we do that as a team together. Newer athletes, they fall into that pitfall where they finish their season. It's more than they've ever done. They're maybe um, tired or they are looking at like other things that they want to address and, you know, whether it be work stuff or projects or family, and they don't quite understand that that is part of the whole package that you combine all of that and break it into the quarters of the season. We look at the off season and say, okay, um, if you haven't, if, depending on how long you've been the sport, how big your season is, what your age is, we determine what your off season length is, but that off season should have guidance and structure from, you know, your coach and your team. And it's something that you work on year round. We say, okay, this is a period of time now where you might, you might let go of uh, some of your, you know, rains and you're definitely going to let some go of some fitness that's part of the plan how much you let go of should be very wisely calculated by the coach that you're working with right and because for each athlete how much of that fitness you let go and how much you freshen mentally and physically needs to be really well calculated and if you're not experienced at that and even if you are experienced of that that's a that's a mistake that can be you know, it can lead to injury when you get back to it. So we talked about not only can it lead to, you know, limiting the amount of progression that you make from year to year, but it can also lead to injury because now maybe that athlete does nothing for too long. And then as they get back to it, we're at high risk for injury or the build backed up to even where they were takes too long. And it also, you know, really limits how much better they can get from year to year, because now we've just taken maybe too much time, or maybe they've gone and done a whole bunch of stuff that they're like, Hey, I need to go do a whole bunch of fun stuff. And if you're working with a coach, the coach can help you monitor that and say like, yeah, go do that. That's fun. If you're going to go do that, do it on this day, but don't follow it with this or, Hey, don't, you know, we don't, we want to stay away from this because you're definitely going to get hurt doing that. And so you, you work with someone to make sure that you don't when you let the reins loose and you say, hey, I'm just going to, you know, sort of detach my focus and that really rigid structure that we need when we're in season, there needs to be a little bit of guidance on what that looks like, too, so that you're it's almost like protecting, you know, you've got an outside eye protecting you from making such massive mistakes that now either you hurt yourself or you get, you know, too far away from what it is that we're trying to achieve and what you're 
what is, what's really important to you when it comes to it, right? Because then there comes that moment where it's like, oh, I'm ready to come back now. And if you've made a whole barrel of mistakes, boy, that journey back can take twice as long. And it can sometimes limit how how much more forward you go, or you might even go backwards. So I think it's important to to understand that. Yeah, I, I think like, I mean, just to go back to using myself as an example, like if I was just like, hey, I'm, I need a really big break after this race. I'm going to take four weeks off of like running and then try and get back at, you know, at my advanced age, if I take four weeks off of running, like I, I might not ever get back to running the way I was running before. Um, you know, I, I just, I might, I might lose too much elasticity in, in my body in order to like keep that rolling. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like inverse of what you might think, right? Like as an older athlete, I almost need to be even more careful with what I actually maintain rather than if I was 20, where I could just say, take four weeks off and then jump back in and, you know, go, go run 20 K and probably be okay. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, just like you said, like you have to be really careful with how that's structured. And like one thing we were talking about again before the show is how I might want to do some kind of like bigger runs in the off season. And yeah, that's all fine and good, but I can't just go do them, right? I need to actually prepare for them. Maybe not like I'm preparing for a race, but if I want to go do a five hour run, I can't just go from doing like 30 minute jogs and then go do a five hour run. Cause again, I will just crack myself in half. And that is not a good way to get ready for racing next year. So, so yeah, uh, just kind of reiterating what you said in a different way, but, um, but yeah, I think it, it's a really important time to, to stay safe and, and then like to, to think about what you need to move forward for, for your year. And, and I think, yeah, to look at like what you can do in the preseason, I think that you can, you can really, you can really make steps forward. And I think you can, you can address a weakness. And I also think you can make a strength strong, but whatever you do, I think you can focus on something. So you're kind of leveling up one thing, two things, depending on how much time you have before you start racing again, you can get your different parts of your skill set in triathlon up another notch before the year starts. So that once you start that race prep, then you're already a level up and you don't need to work on that. You can just do kind of like call it your normal race prep or whatever that looks like. But whatever you focus on might be that one level higher so that when you go, you know, when you're doing your workouts, it, it's at 15 more Watts or, you know, it's at 10 seconds per mile faster and that'll correlate to racing. And then like, let's say the next off season, you can focus on something different and you're kind of like layering that fitness and inspiring it together year after year in order to kind of progress yourself and and really get that 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 year over year athletic development that we're kind of striving for with with our athletes. Yeah, and you know one one thing that I'll hear a lot is people say, "Okay, I I'm going to take I'm going to take some time away from structured training and basically almost go rogue for two or three months." And there's just so much risk in that, you know. Even if they're like, "Okay, well, I'll." I'll stay fit and I'll keep doing stuff. Well, that's all fine, but it's so rogue that they don't necessarily want, it's impossible to see yourself. So you don't even really know what your weaknesses are that you're trying to work on. And then there's so much risk of being that, having that outside lens and that proper planning, even when it is unstructured or it's more on a fun type basis, or there's a bit of a mental break there, or maybe you're including some group stuff. If you don't have someone regulating that and monitoring that, there's just so much risk in it going wrong. One, either getting, you know, it doesn't time into the season, right? So when it's time to get back to work that you're able to, or these injuries that we're talking about, or just backwards in progression, you know, and, and, you know, taking too long off, like you mentioned with the running, understanding that depending on your age and how many, how injury prone you are and those things, how much time is enough time off? You know, if you're taking way too much time off, that is just, you know, again, setting yourself up for failure. So I think our number one message here is that the off season is not only for you know, having a bit of a rest and a reboot, which yes, is important and should be properly planned in and monitor, but then working on those weaknesses, yes, properly planned and 
monitored as well as worked within your mental capacities of how much relax, relaxed time you need, but then also just preventing, protecting you from making massive mistakes so that you set yourself up for the best ability to start the the next, you know, the next year really healthy and strong. And so I think that, you know, we talked about, I do a run challenge with my people in, in my group in December, you know, it's a great month to really put in a huge run block. We let some other things go. It works well with the holidays because you can just throw in your sneakers and run out and it doesn't take up a whole lot of time. You get some support from your teammates. And so when it's a little bit harder, colder, you got a lot of you know, Christmas parties and holiday things and other obligations. And so it's, you know, we can rely on this run challenge to do a run focus block that sets up the year really well. We have a lot of fun with that. We have support from our team, but it doesn't take up a lot of time and you've got all this extra time and energy to, to spend on other things at the, in that, you know, December holiday time. So there can be things like that. One thing that I'll see people do and make mass of mistakes is they think if they don't have someone helping them and monitoring them is they say, all right, it's the off season. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start going crazy in the gym. You know, I'm going to get, it's cold. I'm not motivated to swim, bike and run anymore. I want to get strong. And they decide that they're going to become a gym athlete for that period of time. It's going to help their next season. Well, no, no, uh, structure or balance within the the big picture of things, knowing what they've done all year, what kind of athlete they are, where they're going the next year, how to balance it with the other workouts. Man, I've seen some disasters there, right? You really, you really need to know what you're doing as far as coming into the gym, into the off season. That is definitely not an area that you should decide to go rogue all of a sudden, because there's, there's probably more risk there than anywhere else. And it's probably the most common thing that people do. So, you know, that's uh that's pretty important part of it. Was this, did you see me walking funny to get on camera because I lifted today? Is that what this is about? I swear no. I did go crazy. Hopefully you have a plan for your, for your strength, your off-season strength training program that you actually have thought it out, planned it out, and know how to structure it. So I, I, I only expect that from you. <laughs> I, I actually, I do outsource my strength training to uh, Smith Performance Center, so I feel like I am in good hands. Um, and yeah, they kind of help me out with with how I work on that with my athletes because I don't have a huge background in that, so they kind of help point me in the right direction with that one. Um, that was a shameless sponsor plug, but I also do really like them. Um, <laughs> and they help me a lot and they keep me injury free while I'm lifting in the off season. Um, but I do think that that's obviously a really important part. And I think it's like you said, it's so easy to just go to the gym and be like, I could probably lift this and, um, and yeah, injure something. And I think that that kind of plays into the type of athlete we didn't spend as much time on yet is that that motivated athlete who is like, I had a great season. I took five days off. I'm ready to kill it again. I don't need structure. I'm just going to like stay fit. And then you see what they're doing and they're like, oh yeah, I was just doing, you know, two group rides a week and two group runs a week and four master swims. And I was training more during the off season than I was during the season. And I'm ready to race and it's December 17th. And my first race isn't for five months. And, um, and then you, need to kind of change everything and take a step back because you can't keep that rolling all the way through the year. So you're in this really weird place where you're like too fit or especially if it's like too kind of race specific fit in December, it puts you in yeah, almost like a worse place because you know, you can't stand that knife's edge all the way through. So yeah. So you got to kind of like detrain and the motivated athlete is never going to want to want to do that going into the season. So so yeah, it's definitely good to, uh, to have some oversight there and, and, or at least like talk to someone, come up with an idea that makes sense so that you can like use the time appropriately. And I think like, it doesn't, like we were kind of saying, it doesn't have to be like, you're not getting fit. But what I like to think about is, you know, you're going to, like what you're probably going to want to do is stay away from those intensities that you train while you're getting ready for a race. So like probably staying away from that race intensity pace while you're, while you're in the off season and thinking about other things you can focus on, like whether it's like, Hey, like you kind of, it, it looks like your VO two is a little bit lower. So we can spend some time working on that or whether it's just a specific sport where it's like, you know, you can get faster in the pool. You can, you can work on that run fitness so that 
You don't have to think about that as much during the season. So there's a lot of ways you can go, but I think it is kind of like trying to avoid that, that specific race intensity and then thinking about what you can do, where you might have, have holes or chinks in your armor or something you can just bolster up during the off season so that you can maybe just let it ride a little bit during the season, which I think is kind of what your run challenge really does for people, right? Kind of gets their, their running a little bit leveled up and then they're starting the season at that run in a really good spot. And not that they're ready to race, but they're like, they're durable, they're strong, they're ready to do some some race specific workouts and and don't need to like be so careful and, and focus on getting the run up to where it needs to be. Yeah. And I mean, like, we know that the, the absolute, you know, basis of training is that it, it it's cumulative and it's progressive. Right. And so hopefully as an athlete, like the athletes that I've worked with for a long time have a really good understanding of that. And they know that, you know, we train something for a little while and you see, you know, you see an, a, a stress and then they adapt and they get a little bit better. And then we got to, and then we got to change the stress because now they're different as an athlete, right? We wouldn't just go back. Some people will say, well, this is what I did last year. So I'm just going to go and do what I did last year because I did well. And then all of a sudden, and they repeat that. And all of a sudden they find them, they're like, oh, I'm not getting better. I'm actually getting worse. It's like, yes, because now you're a different athlete than you were last year. You need a different training stress where we create stress and then we recover and then we improve. Well, when you've adapted to that stress, we have to change the stress. So I've even had comments as a coach where people are like, well, what don't after like the people that I've worked with 10, 15 years don't aren't they like so used to you that it's time for a change? And I said, no, because we're always working on me seeing what their weakness is, where they're at in their athletic development, in their life, what's going on, what's changed with them. And we're creating stress and then they adapt. They get a little bit stronger and better. And then we got to change the stress again. So that, so that is always changing. It shouldn't just be the same thing over and over again. And it, it progresses from year to year. You know, when you look at the Olympics, that's a four year plan, right? That's four years of continuous work to one major goal. So it's not like they just look at the next three months and get in race shape and go to the Olympics. That's four years, you know, and that four years is a lifetime. They, a lot of those people have been, you know, training in that specific sport since they were a child and have developed at, from childhood right through to where they're an Olympic qualifier. And then it's a four year process to even get to that Olympics. So if you think to remove yourself from the picture and look at it that way, it makes a lot of sense, right? So you, and you're creating creating stress. And then as you develop and grow as an athlete, what you can handle, what you need, uh, it changes. So just simply looking back and going, well, in 2012, on Tuesday, December 4th, I did this and that set me up for this result. It's not going to work. It's not, you're not the same person anymore. So really, really need, that needs to be something that's understood for athletes as well. Yeah. I mean, it can be a great, a great, like, starting point to say hey like this is what i did last year when i was this athlete and now i've progressed in these ways so you say this is and then you can use that and change and adapt it uh you know i guess if you're trying to do this on your own change and adapt it so that you can like you said change the stimulus and and get yourself to actually gain fitness rather than just trying to maintain fitness by doing the same thing year after year and yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it's hard to see yourself. We, we tend to make a lot of the same mistakes over and over again without realizing it. And so, you know, off season is the time that those mistakes really, really come to head. <laughs> they do, you know, you see people, they're like, Oh, this is, you know, this is what I did last year. And it made me super strong, or this is what I did 10 years ago. And it made me really fast. And so they try and repeat that. And it's not necessarily the right decision for them right now. And so it's a good idea to, to look at that and really assess like, this is what I did then and it worked then and why did it work? And then who am I now and where am I coming at this from now? And, um, you know, what changes do I need to make and what mistake, what positives came out of that, but what mistakes as well and make sure you're learning from them or, you know, making sure that those pitfalls don't keep happening over and over again. Yeah, I mean, not to make this all about me, but just to use myself as an example again, I, I, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of the same things for like 
for like strength and mobility for my swim and haven't really worried about it too much, you know, from like a, a standpoint of technique, um, you know, because I swam a lot in college and it's like, okay, I could probably just roll with it and no, I'm not first out of the water at all, but I'm like fairly close to kind of my, my potential in the swim. I could use a lot of attention elsewhere. But one thing I've kind of noticed as I've gotten older and especially like with children and doing weird things, picking up my kid all the time and like getting one arm and shoulder that's getting worked way more than the other because of that. And like my, my shoulder flexibility is not the same on, on both sides and it is not at all the same as it used to be. And my stroke is now different because of that. So my stroke is kind of like regressing because of my life situation. And if I don't, if I don't change, especially like, again, like right now is the time I can actually change that right during the season when I was swimming a ton, it's pretty hard to like increase flexibility and kind of even out like my, my shoulder imbalance when I'm getting ready for a race. So like right now is the time where I'm like, one of the things I'm working on is getting that squared away so that I can actually swim in a straight line next year. Um, Cause my shoulders are like at least closer in strength to each other. And, and yeah, like it, that's nothing I ever had to worry about like three or four years ago. It was fine. But like getting older, changing my life situation is, is like really, you know, it's, it's changing who I am as a person, believe it or not. And also like how, how I am. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of things they need to change. And some of those things, like you said, like they're really hard to notice on yourself. And this is probably a, a problem that I've had for a while, but it took me a long time to kind of spot it for myself. And but I'm going to try and work on it this off season. So there we go. Yeah. And you know, you bring up a really great point is that these, not only is it an opportunity for fitness, but it is an opportunity for things like working on your bike position, working on different, you know, if, if you have imbalances, things like that, working on your nutrition, you know, is there something that you could be doing better to recover? So when, when training stress is really high and the load is really high, when you're headed into races, it can be hard to make those changes because you're just, you're already maxed out in terms of just preparing for the race and what you need to do to get done to prepare for for the race and be fit and fast and ready to go. And when that training stress is reduced, now it opens up some energy and an opportunity to say, okay, now's the time I could make some dietary changes. I could make some mobility changes. I could, you know, try some different equipment changes and see if this is going to work for me. There's not as much riding on the line. If you try and change your bike fit right, you know, in your race block, that's pretty high risk for injury as well as not being able to perform that well. There's not enough time to try it out, see if it works, adapt to the position, all of those things. And your load is really high. You're trying to focus on specific workouts. In the off season, you have that opportunity to say, okay, I want to try these new shoes. I want to change up my bike position a bit. I want to change something very specific in my swim stroke. So that's, you know, it might not even be really about the fitness blocks or the focus blocks or things that you're going to work on physically, but all those other little details, it opens up a window to have the chance to work on that stuff as well. Um, yeah, I agree. That's why I'm working on it. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I, I think like if you could, if you talk to athletes that are uncomfortable on the bike and you're like, Hey, what if you could go into next season comfortable in the TT position? And that meant that, you know, maybe they didn't do a lot of specific workouts over the winter, but they spent a lot of time, you know, dialing in an actually appropriate position for them. So when the year started, they're like, Hey, I actually feel good. I got all the hurdles that you would go over during the year to try and sort that out. They just be like, hey, now I can focus on fitness. So there are some, definitely some really big gains that can be made during the offseason that really can, again, set you up to to be ready to get ready to race. And and that's really what like that that preseason preparation phase is all about, whether it's fitness or whether it's you know something technical. Um, that is the time that you really want to work on that. Yeah, if we we're going to give people exact timelines, I would say if you're done your last race of the season, if you're pretty young and you've had a huge race season and your fatigue and your if you're tracking your fatigue is very high, you probably want that uh, rest period. You'll probably have a complete rest week for one week and then you have a sort of an easier week the next week that's really, really light and it's very, very easy. It's maybe 
I don't know if we had to give it a percent percentage, would you say like 20% of what your normal activity would be? Uh, and, and then that next week is maybe, you know, a little bit more than that, but not that much. So pretty, you're going to get three weeks is enough time to bring that fitness way down, reduce the fatigue, allow yourself to rest a little bit. And then I would say it, then it's probably time to start to dive into those, all of those things that we're talking about, where your opportunities lie to change your fitness and change things. If you're a little older and your training load throughout the year isn't, you know, as heavy and your race season isn't as heavy, I would say that you really only need one week off and then two weeks that are, you know, lighter in terms of really anything super focused, but you got to get back moving quite a bit and then it's time to go. So really the older you are, the shorter that true time off needs to be. Now that doesn't mean you need to get right back into, you know, the, the demands of, you know, actual focus on the, on the race season, but it's all these other things that we're talking about. I'm mostly talking specifically about that break period where you're not really doing anything and you're letting the fitness come way down for a younger athlete that can be a little longer for an older athlete they're really really careful that it needs to be it's not as long as what people think and we've talked about this before and in, in other podcasts there's just uh there's too much risk you lose so much fitness when you do that and there's just so much risk for injury you mentioned it there with the running for yourself so that's you know that's really important yeah. And I mean, I think, well, I, I know from experience, but uh, in myself and also in the athletes that I coach is that, you know, the older you get, the more fitness you lose, that, that, that rate of increase is just slower than it is when you're younger. Right. So, you know, if, if you, if you let that fitness line get way too low, then the hill you've got to climb to get back out of it, it's just, it's going to get really, really big, really fast. And, you know, there are some small things you can do to kind of like, maintain some fitness whether that's like just a little bit of turnover on the run or like a little bit of speed in the pool just like interjecting a little bit of intensity in there it doesn't have to be crazy but you know you just get that that little bit of intensity throughout kind of that preseason to stay in touch with that so that it's not so far gone when you go to get it back but yeah i think that is kind of super important uh and you know like i guess again using myself as a human guinea pig i I definitely have that, that fear now of like, Hey, I need to like stay in touch. I can't let everything totally go because I do need to race again at some point and getting, getting out of that hole is, is getting harder and harder the older and older I get. Yeah. And the very last thing that I want to touch on before we wrap things up here in this equation is I wrote an article on it. Maybe you'll share it on the show notes, but about the, one of the best off off season decisions you could make is either keep your coach or hire your coach. Right. And there's a, you know, there's, it's really important to understand that if you work with someone, it's a good idea to maintain that relationship year round. And that's going to be positive for everyone. It's positive for the athlete because they've got someone that's going to help them with all of these things that we've just talked about, but it's also going to maintain that relationship and that trust between athlete and coach to have that continuous development year after year and being able to see what's going on with the athlete. If you kind of come in and out like a revolving door, the coach is not set up in a position to really help you the best that they can. And, and then you're going to be wondering, why am I not getting better? So to, to make the most out of having a coach and hiring a coach and avoiding these pitfalls and, you know, all of these risks that we're talking about and understanding how this all happens. If you have a good coach and you like them, keep working with them. Don't just let them go and assume that a revolving door is going to <clears throat> allow you to continue to progress with that coach athlete relationship. And if you don't have one, this is, this is a great time to take a look around and find someone that you want to work with and give yourself that, you know, that leg up and, you know, we, we outsource a lot of things, right? We outsource, maybe some people have their help with their homes being cleaned, or they help with help with their car getting fixed, or you have help with if your toilet breaks, or you have a electrician, those kinds of things. It's a good idea to outsource hiring an expert. If you, if, if you, 
something is important to you and you want to get better at it. So this might be the time that you either find someone you want to work with, but definitely if you're working with someone that you like, maintain that relationship so that it can, can, it can also progress and it can also have the best opportunity for both people to, to, you know, for the coach to be able to really help the athlete and know long-term vision, what's going to help them get better. Yeah. I mean, not only will you make the most of this time, which as we talked about is kind of critical for the year, but you'll also, the coach will know and have constant feedback of exactly what's gone on so that when you go to actually move into like the race season, they're not trying to like discover, like if you just jump in and say, Hey, get me ready to race. And they're like, okay, well, let me like figure out exactly what you did. And like, maybe they can go back and dig in and get some idea but that's never going to be the same as being like, I know exactly what you did because I prescribed it. And, and so it's just, you know, that setting it up better with, with the coach to know exactly what you're, where you're at, like physically, where you're at mentally, where you're at health wise to get the most out of you moving forward. Um, but yeah, you're, you're also just going to hopefully be in that better spot and yeah, have maintained that relationship. And, and everyone knows like kind of the best way to move forward at that point instead of having to like really spend some time, like kind of figuring that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I know that there are people, like I said, at the start, there's people that aren't done their season yet. So hopefully the ones that are have gone, poof, season's done. I'm ready to kick off my shoes and relax a little bit. Make sure that you continue to support your teammates and your friends. And, you know, we've got Kona coming up for the women's race. We've got Ironman Arizona. We've got Ironman Western Australia. There's, all kinds of half Ironman still happening. There's definitely, you know, Indian Indian Wells 70.3, Tempe 70.3. I think it's last year for Tempe 70.3. So there's lots of, there's lots of racing still yet to be done. And we're going to talk about that on the next episode of how to, you know, stay motivated and uh, how to maybe be approaching your training at this time. So if you are done, support your friends, support your teammates, make sure you keep cheering them on through the back half of the year, especially as the weather changes. It's hard, it's hard to stay motivated for them. So get behind them and motivate them. You can be a cheerleader or a support system. And um, if you are hitting that off season, then hopefully we've given you some really good ideas and you know, some feedback on what to do and what not to do so that all this hard work and all these gains you've made this year don't just go flying out the door. That's the main thing. You put so much into this. You, know, you put so much time and energy into this. So do yourself some good service and keep that, you know, keep making good decisions for yourself. Yeah, time to double down and roll, rolling forward into next year. And uh, yeah, just on that supporting your your friends and teammates right now, I think there's two great ways you can really do that. And even just a quick little text saying like, Hey, how'd that workout go? Like kind of knowing that someone is, is kind of checking up on them. That can, that can do a lot for someone, someone's motivation while they're kind of getting out the door. And the next thing is if you never sag someone on a long run, it's actually pretty fun. So if you have a, uh, you know, a grocery getter, you can go roll, roll bikes next to your buddy who's doing his last long run or has a couple left. You know, it's, it's a pretty fun way to get out there and still spend some time with your, uh, your triathlete buddies and, uh, it's, it's actually, it's also a lot easier. So <laughs> you, <laughs> you can watch them suffer. <laughs> yeah. You, you get a front row seat for what it looks like. And, uh, you know, you can just enjoy rolling easy on your bike. Um, but yeah, on that note, uh, Marilyn, thank you for spending the hour with me. It was great to catch up. Yeah. Thank you. Super fun. And I will talk to you next time. Cheers.